You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. We've been doing a series here at Melbourne Lights Church called The Church That Jesus Is Building. Who's enjoyed that? For those of you who have been here. Yeah. Whew. It's been powerful, really powerful. And actually we've been going on, I can't remember now, someone will remember, but for weeks and weeks. How long? 18 weeks. Whew. 17. All right. Somewhere there. Um, it's something that we really felt Holy Spirit on because he's preparing us as a church. He's preparing his church and he sets us up to succeed. He wants to ready us. He's getting us ready for what's even coming. And there's a church that he has in mind. And we want to be the church that looks like the church that Jesus has in his mind. We want to be the church that Jesus is building. Why? Because in Matthew 16, 18 to 19, he says, and we've said this so many times, where Jesus is talking to Peter. Peter gets the revelation. Oh, you're Jesus, the son of the living God. And he says to him, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, on this revelation that you have of me being the son of God, I will build my church. That is the church we want to be built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. We don't get past Jesus. We don't graduate from Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all in Jesus. It's all through Jesus. It's all to Jesus. On that revelation, that church is what he's building. We want to be that church. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. That talks of impact influence. If we want to have impact and influence for the sake of the king and the kingdom, then we need to be the church that Jesus is building. And that's why we've been doing this for 17 weeks. Man, come on. Let's be that church. Let's be that church. I started this series off early on in this series. um, We've had a whole heap of different ones of us preaching, but I started off with this and I felt I wanted to end with this, this little saying, Jesus is building a church of sons and daughters who have laid down their egos, laid down their pride, laid down their label, laid down their brand, laid down their titles, a church that is all about him. It's all about his his kingdom coming, not our kingdom coming. A church, this is what he's building us to be, a church that is radical and fearless, real and raw, authentic and vulnerable, a church that knows its identity and its authority, a church that stands on the infallible standard of the word of God, a church that exists to glorify him, a church that releases on earth as it is in heaven, a church where the lost, hurting and broken are found and find their place to be saved, restored and then sent out again. A church where everyone has their place at the table. A church that equips and releases warriors, dread champions that make demons tremble and release heaven into their everywhere. A church that looks and sounds and acts and talks like Jesus. That's the sort of church that Jesus is building and that's who we wanna be, amen? Let's just give Jesus a hand a minute. Come on, amen, thank you Jesus. Today, I'm actually preaching the last of the series, and I'm going to preach about the church that Jesus is building is a church that is known, and there's three things I want to speak to, a church that is known, a church that is known by God, the church that Jesus is building is known by God, known by hell, and known by all. So you ready to come with me? Yeah? All right. Very good. Okay. If you're not, well... (laughs) buckle up, you're here, you're here anyway. Let me just set the stage first. Um, When I say a church that is known, what do I mean by that? I want to look at the word known just quickly so we can just set 
the stage ready to dive into those three things. Known in Hebrew, the word known is yada. It's yada. It's more than head knowledge. In our Western society, when we go and study at universities, at school, everything's um, created or put in place so that we learn up here. But in the Hebrew, it wasn't like that. In God's way of thinking, it's a learning that comes spirit first. It's a knowing that happens here that then transforms up here in the mind. It's spirit to spirit. that It's a revelation by the spirit that then comes up and transforms the mind. It's a knowing that is like an intimacy. It's not just, oh yeah, I, I know, I know, um, let me pick someone that I like, that I would say I know. Some of you might know this name. I know Ben Fitzgerald. Ben Fitzgerald, he is, he's an evangelist. He was a pastor with Bethel, and he's leading Awakening right now in Europe. And by the way, they just last weekend saw um, an increase since I last saw the figure, but they saw four, over 1,400 salvations in uh, the span of a few days. Come on. That's amazing. Revival is happening. Like people are being just set on fire and they're going into there everywhere. Ben Fitzgerald spearheads that. I know him. I know him. He, he, was, he was on the streets of Dandenong. He was lost and broken. He was addicted to all sorts of things until Jesus broke in and saved him. And now he's changing the world for Jesus and empowering and equipping people. Now I'm telling you, I know him but I actually don't know him, know him. I know of him. I know about him. Yes, he's prayed for me, but if you said to him, do you know Gabby? You know Gabby? He'd say, uh, no. <laughs> what? No, I've never met her. We can know someone, but not really know someone. Do you get what I'm saying? There's different levels of knowing. Yada is not just I know of someone, I know about someone, I'm friends with them on Facebook or Instagram. It's a knowing that is intimate, it's a knowing that is experiential, and it's a knowing that is covenantal. Yada, I know you. Adam knew Eve. Now that's in a husband-wife relational, but the two become one. That's the knowing that he's talking about. Knowing, yada. So the Bible says, um, well, my question actually, before I say what the Bible says, is what, what's the secret to knowing God and being known by God? What's the secret? The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, but the one who loves, and that word is what Paul preached about a few weeks back, agape, the one who loves, agape, who loves God is known by God. The one who loves him with agape love is known by by God. We can't love someone we don't know. We can't love, love someone we don't really know. We can say, yeah, I, I love so-and-so. They're awesome. Oh, I love Justin Bieber. I love the beach. I love cake. I love chocolate. I actually do. I love chocolate. Or, you know, we walk around, we say, love you. But we don't love. Like, it's not agape love. It's shallow love, and God is looking for agape love. And when we agape him, he says, I know you. There's a knowing. There's the yada, the intimate covenantal knowing of oneness. That's what he's after. And that's the, ch the church we want to be, right? All about intimacy and covenantal connection. That's my whole message is going to be 
in and interwoven with that theme. Intimacy, covenantal connection. Intimacy and covenantal connection. Over um, COVID, during uh, last year, I think it was, I met a guy on the street um, as I was helping someone else um, and we got chatting and got to talk to him about Jesus. He's a Muslim man by the name of David and he, he was... Um, really intrigued by what I was sharing. And he said, I like you. I want to know more. So he would come and visit me in my house. Uh, but actually, he would stand at the door. We were in lockdown. And he and I both kind of respected the fact that, you know, the, we can't have anyone inside. And so we, we would chat outside the door for about an hour. Like every week he'd visit and we'd talk about Jesus. I'd ask him questions about family. We'd share the word. I, well, I would share the word with him, pray with him, and then he'd go. And there was a level of friendship that we had, but I'd never invited him in. Like I'd never let him into my house. So, so the friendship kind of only went so far. I mean, one day when we could, we did invite him in. He's had coffee or tea in our home and a couple of times and sat down with us at one of the discipleship groups. Uh, but that's a whole other level when you invite someone into your home, right? When you sit at the table with them. That's what Jesus is after. Revelation 3.20 says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. I can't knock, 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 knock. I need wood. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is not wanting to be a friend that stands at the door only. It's not enough. That's not yada. That's not enough for Jesus to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I know Jesus. Yep, yep, he comes and visits me at my door and we chat. We chat just outside. Jesus is saying, let me in, knock, 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 let me in. I want to sit at the table of intimacy and break bread with you. I want to know you. I want to come right into the heart of who you are. Let me in. So let's go. Let's unpack the known by God. The church that Jesus is building is a church that is known. It's known by God, known by hell, and known by all. Let's start with known by God. How many of you know we did nothing to earn his favour or his gaze? There was nothing about us that he should have looked down at us and said, oh, I want them. There's nothing attractive. There's nothing. We're rebellious. We're just sinful by nature. We're faithless. And yet he chose to put his affections on us. He chose to pursue us. He chose to come after us. He chose. When I walked away from God many years ago, I, I ran from him actually. I didn't want his presence any. I didn't want to do things his way. To be honest, I wanted to do things my way. And I ran. But his love pursued me. It hunted me down. Like, I, I never forget it. It's why I'm often in tears on a Sunday or when I'm worshipping at home because I'll never forget that when I least deserved it, when I was at my worst and my ugliest, when I was at my meanest and I turned my back on God and said, I want nothing to do with you, his love began to burn intensely for me and he came after me and he came after me and he came after me until I turned around and surrendered. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. What love is that? What love is that? That God who reached down and grabbed his enemies. The Bible says that while we were still enemies, 
while we were still enemies like I was of him, he came and he sent Jesus. He can, he comes now and he says, I want you. I long for you. I want yada. I want intimate covenantal connection with my people. There's a saying, um, it's going to come up on the slide um, by John Piper. I really like this. Deeper than knowing God is being known by God. What defines us as Christians, as believers, is not most profoundly that we have come to know him, but that he took note of us and made us his own. There is no greater love story than this. He owes us nothing, and yet this is what he did. He, we bring nothing really to the table. God is so other, and yet... He does. He just loves us. He loves us and he wants to know us intimately. He wants us to be a church that is known. Known. Deeply known. Jesus says this, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. Not here. Not just, yes, I know everything about you because God knows everything he does. But I know them. I know them deeply. I am covenanted in oneness with them. There is an intimacy in the covenant of my knowing, the yada that I have with my sheep. He says, I know them and they follow me. The fruit of us knowing Jesus intimately, the yada, the connectedness, the oneness is fellowship. We follow that is what it looks like. So that's the evidence of knowing him deeply. We follow him. We don't follow others. We don't follow our own desires and our flesh. We follow him. There's a story that I love um, in, in Luke 24, uh, 13 to 26, and then we'll jump to 28 to 32. It will come up on the screens, but if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13, we'll start there. Jesus has just died. Jesus, the Messiah, that the disciples thought, is this the one? Will this be the one? Is this the one that will come and rescue us, save us, and deliver us? This Jesus died. And so the disciples are distressed. They're grieving. They're unsure. They're, they're confused. This Jesus is now three days. He's still dead. What do we do now? Who are we without him? What do we do from here on? This is where this story picks up. That very day, Luke 24, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that have happened, because a lot had just happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And if you read that, I won't read the whole thing for the sake of time, but Jesus is quite cheeky in it, and he, he pretends he doesn't know what's happened. And he says, oh, what? Tell me, like, what's going on? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, are you the only man in the whole area that has not heard about Jesus and what they did to him? He's like, oh, tell me, tell me more. I love Jesus. He's just fun. He's cheeky. He's fun. So... Then, um, let's just skip down to 28. It says, so they drew near to a village. So they're talking, walking with Jesus, telling him everything that's happened. And he's like, yeah. And then he does another thing that's funny. He says, it's, he acted as if he was going further. So he pretended. 
Oh, yeah, I'll keep going. See you, guys. And they're like, oh, no, no. They urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is now fast spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were suddenly opened. And they recognized him. But then he vanished from their sight. Ah, oh, Jesus. He's so unexpected. He's so no, not what you think. He's not the religious figure that, that we can box down. He never does things the same way. Oh, and thank God for that. He's just amazing. Then they say, like, uh, where did they say? They said to each other, verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, found the others who were there gathered together and said, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. There is something in the breaking of bread, in the intimacy as we invite Jesus to the table of our lives where he gets to come in, step in. And in the breaking of that intimate moment, the breaking of bread, sharing the moment with Jesus, every moment actually, but saying, come in, take a place at the table, Jesus. Let's do life on life, Jesus. Let's share this, to just meal together, Jesus. And in the breaking of the bread, there's something that happens. Our eyes are opened to the one who is present. He becomes intensely present and he manifests himself. And the more we do that, the more we actually begin to encounter a very real present Jesus. He's not far off, he's right here. And it's in the place of intimacy, in the heart of the home, here, your heart, in your, the depths of who you are, as Jesus continually comes in and breaks bread with you, we begin to see him for who he is. He becomes known to us and we become known to him. And there is yada, intimate connection with the one Jesus. You know, it's possible to walk with Jesus. It's possible to sing all the songs. It's possible to know the scriptures. And guess what? I've got to say, even the demons know the Bible and, and it says they tremble. It's possible to do all the stuff and not realize Jesus, the Jesus that we're talking about and singing to is standing right next to us, walking right with us on our roads. He's saying there's more. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in deeper. Let me into every part of your life and every part of your heart. I want to break bread with you. Let's do life together because I want to know you intimately, intimately. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hand, hand on your heart a minute. I want to pray. Um, oh, Jesus, thank you that you are present right now. Jesus, I pray that every heart in this place would begin to burn oh, with a fire. The knowing that is deep in the heart where they begin to burn burn for you, burn for you. I pray for an awareness of your presence, that we would let you in, that we would break bread and do life with you, that we would be known. We would be deeply known. I pray for covenantal, intimate encounters with a living Jesus that begin today. May it be further, deeper, wider, higher than we've ever been before. We say more, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus? Holy Spirit, awaken our senses even now to the one, to the one, to Jesus, that we let him in.
Amen. Amen. Agape love, agape love. He's looking for agape love, that unconditional, untainted, um, it's, it's immeasurable, it's, um, it's just wild, it's pure. That's the love he's after. That's the love he's after. May we be known as a church that loves that way. Because when we love with agape love, it, the Bible said, as I read, the Bible says we will be known by God. He will know us intimately. In the book of Revelation, there's a series of churches God speaks to. I'm not going to go there, but you can look at yourself, look them up yourself. Um, and he says many times, I know your works. I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know who you are. I know your works. And I was just thinking, like, I wonder what he says when he looks at us here at this church or the church in Melbourne. What would he say? You are known for what? I wonder what he'd say. Oh, wow. I, 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 my heart and my cry is that we be known for many things, but first and foremost, that we would be radically unapologetic about our love for Jesus, that we'd be known as the wild lovers of Jesus, that we'd be known as, as just the untamable ones the untamable wild ones who take Jesus at his word and then go for it into our everywhere. Let us be known as those ones that he would say, I know you. I know you, Melbourne Lights. I know you, Church of Melbourne. I know you. There are ongoing depths of knowing, and I hope even just listening to this that you're, you're realising there's an invitation to more. And that's the theme that I kind of carry, I think, on my heart is my life theme is there's more. There's more. There's more. It might be amazing what you've encountered, but there's more. Or maybe you're right at the beginning and you've never even encountered Jesus. You've not even given your life to him yet. You're like, what is this? There's more. There's so much more. And there's an invitation to come into the more and know him deeply. Okay, known by God. The church that Jesus is building is known by God, but it's also known by hell. What do I mean by this? Known by hell. Demons knew who Jesus was. The demons knew who Jesus was actually long before the disciples realized who he was or people around him realized who he was. Now, you see this in the Word. As Jesus approached towns and villages, he wasn't demon hunting. He wasn't doing deliverance ministry. He was doing what we're all called to do, the mission he's left us with, which is release heaven on earth. Come and make earth look like heaven. Come and restore people to the Father. That's what Jesus was doing. That was his Father's business. He was busy about his Father's business. But as he went, things happened, right? So we see that happen. I love, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the book of Acts. Have a look at what happened. The wildest adventures you'll ever read. Jesus turns up and demons would just suddenly manifest, like they would show up, they'd shriek. They'd say, Jesus, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You might not realize it. Some of you might not get this, but demons are real and we're in a very real spiritual battle. There's a battle that's going on right now. When you gave your life to Jesus and you surrendered to Jesus, you were not just brought into a family, into a community, and as good as those are, we're not just the bride, but you were born again into a battle, and this is actually also an army. 
And that's why I love what Deej had this morning with the, the being poised and ready and Jesus lovingly coming and fitting and not just one size fits all, but our unique, you know, helmets on each of us. He's readying us. He's getting us ready because this is the church that he's looking for. The church that he's building is not just a church that is loving and kind and restoring and, and it's all that. Absolutely. But it's a place where great freedom comes. It's a, a place where demons, demons are going to be manifesting because they're like, wow, what are you doing? Where they cannot stand anymore in the presence of God. We're in a very real battle, but we're here to enforce the victory. The good news is Jesus won. The good news is Jesus is on the throne. The good news is Jesus made a spectacle of demonic powers but they're wreaking havoc still until Jesus comes again. And so we have been given all authority to enforce freedom and victory. It's Christianity 101. Some of you are like, whoa, what? Christianity 101. Jesus says, go, heal the sick. Yeah. Raise the dead. Huh. Cast out demons. I mean, it's part of the deal. It's the package deal. And he's equipped us to do it. And if we don't do it, we're doing a disservice to ourselves and to people because we're leaving them in bondage. When Jesus has said, I've given you the tools, go do it. Cast out demons. Mark 1, 21 to 25 says this. Jesus, Mark chapter 1, 21 to 25. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. So there they are busy about the father's business, when suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Can you imagine the scene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Remember, I said the demons knew exactly who he was. But Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Our authority, we need to know, our authority comes from the one who has all authority. But the measure of our authority is actually, it, it comes from not us knowing, not from hearing a preach, not even from just reading about it. The measure of our authority is all connected to the measure of our intimacy. Are you intimately covenanted in Yadda with Jesus? Does he know you? Because if he knows you, Yadda, then every demon is going to also know you and is going to know the authority that you stand in and walk in. We don't just get something in the kingdom through knowledge. Remember? We've got to change the way our, our Western minds think. It's not just through knowledge. I'm not saying it's never through knowledge. It's not just through knowledge. And kingdom doesn't come this way. We don't just get things in the kingdom through knowledge, but through intimacy with Jesus. Everything comes through our proximity to Jesus Get close to Jesus. Be close to the one who has all authority. Be close to Jesus. The light in us, just like Jesus, will confront the darkness around us. You know, when we go to Dandenong, we go a lot and we do outreach. We love it. It's amazing. Robbie knows he's been. <laughs> Come on. And we, we see 
demons show up all the time, actually. Paul can tell you, Chantel can tell you. There's just too many stories, but they show up. Why? Because light confronts darkness. They have to be exposed. We don't go looking for them. We don't go hunting for them. We are absolutely overwhelmed by Jesus, captivated by Jesus and the mission he's given us. And we go with love to see people encountered. And as we do, demons get rattled. Demons are exposed and they just freak out. When I was a brand new Christian... Um, many years back, I was working in a, a cafe slash restaurant in Ligon Street, and we were finishing up for the day, you know, I'm just cleaning up, I'm tired, looking a bit grotty, got my just black jeans, white t-shirt, that was what our uniform was, sweeping the floors, cleaning up, there was a small group of people that were just finishing up, they knew we were closing, um, just as I walked past this particular man, I don't know him, he didn't know me, we hadn't spoken at all. As I walked past, and I was quietly just in my mind, not out loud praying, I'm a new Christian at this place, at this time, like early on, in my walk with God, and so I'm just praying and sweeping, not out loud, just to myself with him, communing, talking to Jesus, practicing the presence everywhere. You can, you can tap into presence anywhere. And as I'm doing that, I walk past the man and he goes, oi, and then he, he actually looks at me with a look, and I'm like, and he says, oh, why don't you go pray up at the church up there? There's a church for you to go pray at. Go on, get on your knees and pray to your Jesus. And he starts mocking, and, and then he starts going for it, and he starts laughing, and the table kind of laugh a bit, and some of the guys look a bit awkward and uncomfortable. And I just, <laughs> I'm a brand new Christian, I'm like, oh. I just looked at him and I just kind of smiled and kept sweeping and I didn't know what to say. But something in me actually began to rejoice. Like I got happy. I got to say I got happy because I was like, that demon knows who I am. And I felt Holy Spirit say, yeah, you better believe it. That is a demon that knows who you are. And I was like, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a mature Christian and you've been to Bible college and you know all the word or you're a brand new baby believer. Authority doesn't come from either of those spectrums. It comes from intimacy with Jesus, proximity to Jesus. Our authority comes with our oneness to Jesus. Let's be a church that walks in oneness with Jesus so we are a church that is known by hell. Acts 19, 13 to 15 my favorite book of the Bible. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, which tells me, number one, they're using formula over relationship, their, their incantation. Um, they said this, I command you, and they're saying all the right things, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And actually, I won't read on, but as you go on to read, those, those guys get severely beaten up by this demonic being. Um, beaten up, stripped naked, and they ran, like ran in terror for their lives. Who are you? What would happen if you were praying for someone and, and someone began to manifest like that? Would you confidently be able to say, 
I know who I am and I know that I'm known. I'm known by my God and therefore every demon that confronts knows the authority I stand in. Could you confidently say that I am known? God is calling us to be a church who knows him and is known by him. Why? Because when we're known, we can have great impact. There is authority. The keys of the kingdom, the authority is given to those ones who know him, yada, who are known by him, yada. Let's be that church. Let's be that church. As darkness ramps up and it doesn't take a genius or a prophet to look around and see that the world is becoming very dark. There is darkness everywhere from sickness to wars to rumors of wars to um, uh, mental health crisis, suicide rates off the chart. There is a problem, a massive dark problem. It is dark. It's not great. Loneliness epidemics across the planet. I mean, nations like the UK and some others are trying to put things in place, Japan possibly, to in their government structure to battle loneliness. There's epidemics. It's out of control. But let me tell you that as darkness ramps up, so too does the light. So too does the light. Jesus, it's not over. Jesus gets the final say. It's not over yet. And while we have breath in our bodies and while we're still here, he's commissioned us and empowered us to go and release heaven into our everywhere. To shatter the darkness with the light. We're getting ready for the greatest revival that, we've, that I think the world's ever seen, honestly. And, and some of us have had the privilege of, of walking through and, and seeing some amazing moves of God, powerful moves of God, where the fruit of those moves is still um, happening today. You're seeing the fruit of these moves of God, but there's a new one coming. The rumblings of revival. Can you feel the rumblings of revival? It's coming. It's coming. And I think we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for the greatest move that we've ever seen. Let's be known as those who are known in hell. Let's begin to believe for the times that we just show up. When you show up fully you, full of him, that everything that is not of him, every demon in hell that is around us, and tormenting us and holding our families captive or our health captive, every one of those begins to shriek in terror because those who are known have shown up. Let us be that church, that church who is, who is so known by God that we're known by hell. And then we get to enforce and release and see freedom and victory coming. Amen. Amen. Yeah, freedom. We're freedom enforcers. We're freedom enforcers. We're here to bring freedom, set the captives free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed us for the sake of others to see captives set free. Do you believe that He can use you to do that? <laughs> he wants to. He wants to. It all links back to Yada. Open the door. Let him in, bring him to the table, the communion table, the table where we break bread and we let Jesus intimately know us so that we intimately know him and we agape love him and then watch what he does. 
Watch what he does. So as sons and daughters, sons and daughters, image bearers of Jesus, we have a mandate. Jesus said this, right? This was one of his mandates. For this reason, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil or the evil one. As sons and daughters, we carry that mantle. We carry it. It's, it's tag, you're it. Your turn. You go do it now. Destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. Where you see people's lives being battered and shattered and hammered um, um, mentally, uh, with financially, with their health. I mean, it doesn't take much to look around and see that. Guess what? That's the thumbprint of the enemy. And he says, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Families destroyed, identities destroyed, hopes destroyed. Uh, there's so much confusion around us. That's the thumbprint of the enemy. But he says this, but I, Jesus, have come to bring life and life to the full. We are life bringers, life enforcers, and nothing can stand against a church that is known by God who knows their authority, who loves him with agape, unapologetic, untainted, uh, unconditional love. That sort of church, watch out. Watch out, enemy. This is what we're called to do, to destroy the works of the devil. You are called to be so intimate with Jesus that you become the biggest threat to the enemy around you. Let's be those people. People's freedom depend on it. The church that Jesus is building is a church that is known by God and known in how? And number three, known by all. Acts 17.6 says this. These are they that turn the world upside down. These are they that turn the world upside down. They were talking about the disciples in their time. The church Jesus is building is known by everyone. These are they that turn the world upside down. The church didn't say that of themselves. The disciples didn't say, here we are. We're the ones turning the world upside down. This was actually said by those around them. And actually, it wasn't said very nicely either. It wasn't a compliment. We take it as a compliment. I take it as a compliment that we want to be those that turn this world upside down for Jesus. But when we we are those sort of people, you're going to get some who love it and some who oppose it. And this was what was said. These are they that turn the world upside down. And actually, it says, and now they've come here too. What are we going to do? That was their question. What do we do with them? How cool. Wouldn't it be awesome to be that sort of church where, where people are like, what do we do with them? Like these guys are wreaking havoc, and I'm talking about kingdom havoc, but they don't get it. But look at what they're doing. They're turning everything upside down. Jesus wants us to be known. He wants us to be a church that's known. That sort of church can't help it. We don't have to plan it. We don't have to program it. We don't have to try to be it. It will overflow out of intimacy. It overflows out of our oneness with Jesus. We can't help but go. Out of Holy Spirit empowering, coming, the suddenly of Holy Spirit coming with a fire upon us, we can't help but go. And when we go, things happen. Jesus shows up in us. And people are healed. People are set free. People are delivered. 
You know, wouldn't it be awesome to see that in this area for Melbourne Lights Church or over Hallam or the city of Casey, that we start to see statistics shift, that suicide rates drop, that homelessness is not an epidemic anymore. Wouldn't it be amazing that we would be a church that has that sort of impact for Jesus where things are turned around? He can do it. He can do it. He's calling us to be that sort of church. Come on, let's be that. A church in revival is a church that is known by those outside the church. It isn't hidden. In fact, Jesus says, don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. Let it shine. Let it shine. Why? So that people will see your good works, hear this, see what you're doing and glorify God. What we do is going to point to him and glorify God. Everything we do should lead people into encounter with Jesus, not an encounter with, with me, not an encounter with church. Too many people have been hurt in church, and we love the church. Jesus loves the church, but he's doing some adjusting in this time. He's making some adjustments so that we get to be the church that he has dreamt of. Bring people to Jesus. Let them encounter Jesus and then he'll knit them in. He says, I'll then build my church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against that church. This is a season where Holy Spirit, he's calling us up to more. He really is. We were praying it this morning upstairs um, with the elders and, you know, just, we, we're not playing games. We're not here to play games there's plenty of other things uh, we could be doing, but he's worthy and he's worth it. And he gave his life up for the church. So he's calling us up to more. It's a season where he's saying, repent, repent. You're going to hear that a lot at this, at this place. Repent. It's a good word. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent if we want to see the manifestations of the healing, deliverance, signs, wonders. First, we need to repent. Change the way you think. Put on the mind of Christ. Repent. Come back to his way. Repent because the kingdom is about to be released in great power and great measure. Repent. He's also calling us to be a church that's all in. He's calling us to be all in. No more games. No more sitting on the fence. Actually, in James, and I said this at the Transform Young Adults Conference, James says it harshly and brutally. He says, you, you, you adulterers, what did you think? You could be friends with the world and with me? We cannot do both. And God is calling us in this season to make a choice. He loves you. He wants you. But it's your choice. Will you choose the world or will you be all in for him? It can't be both. It will not be both. Jesus will not adulterate himself. He can't. He can't. See, what would happen? I'm married. What would happen? There's a marriage covenant. We've signed a document. I've got this covenant. And then I have an affair with someone on the side ongoingly. I mean, that destroys the covenantal relationship that I have. I can't expect it to ever be the same. You know, so many relationships, one of the first things when there's a breakup and, um, they, and something like that happens is they say to, to their partner, I don't know who you are anymore. Do they know them? Yeah. But suddenly, I don't know you. 
I do not know who you are. And that's what happens with God. Like when we um, play games and we choose to keep sinning, we choose to do our thing as well as a bit of Jesus, he says, hey, this nullifies the contract. I love you passionately, but you have done something where I don't now know you. We don't have intimate connection anymore. That covenant, you've dishonored it. And so even this morning, I just pray that if that's you, I'm not here to shame or name. Jesus never does that, but he surely convicts. And he's saying, don't do it anymore. Don't play games anymore. I want you. I love you. I need you. Come back to covenantal intimacy with me. Make a choice today. It's a choice. Choose. Choose to let go of, to break partnership with, to walk away from some things and choose to be all in. It's an all in time. He's calling us not to compromise. He's calling us to be radical lovers. He's calling us to do what Jesus said. It's simple. The simplicity. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make disciples. We're not going to change the mission We're not going to shift things because of a culture. No matter what government is in place, no matter what restrictions are put on, the mission stands the same. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, bring people into freedom, tell them about me. He says, go show them who I am. And we're going to keep doing that. We're a church who will be known by all. Why? 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 Because we want to look like, be like, act like, speak like Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The world needs hope. The world needs an answer, and it's only wrapped in Jesus. Yeah, does that sound simplistic? Maybe, but it's true. He's the only answer. He's the only way. He's the only one. Jesus. Let Jesus be on your lips. Let Jesus be on your lips. In everything you say and do, let Jesus come through and be revealed Acts 4.13 says this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they marveled and took note. This is people watching on. They marveled and took note and said, these men had been with Jesus. Do people see that you have been with Jesus? Do people know that we have been with Jesus? It's all about proximity to Jesus. That's the way you get known by Jesus. And I think you've got that because I've just been on about it from the beginning of this preach. It doesn't matter if you're educated or not. It doesn't matter if you have money or not. It doesn't matter about your background, whether it was the best or the worst. It doesn't matter if you're a, a Christian for many years or a brand new Christian. None of that qualifies you. None of that. It's all about have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Are you known by Jesus? Boldness and faith to see great miracle signs and wonders don't come from great striving, but from great abiding. From great abiding. Boldness to preach the gospel. It comes from great abiding. Have you been with Jesus? Are you one with him? The whole of the book of Acts shows a church full of the power of the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus said to do. Go into all the world, exactly what I said, Baptize people. Heal the sick. I mean, radical. Just go heal the sick. Raise the dead. Set captives free. 
They actually took Jesus at his word and they went and did it. Holy Spirit came upon them. He clothed them with power from on high and then they went and did it. Will we be a church clothed with power from on high, walking in intimacy with Holy Spirit and just doing it? Just do it. You know, the only difference between people who who are doing something and those who are not doing something is that those who are doing something are just doing something. They're just doing it. The disciples, Holy Spirit came and they just went. They just did it. They just did it. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. When, um, one more story, quick one. At Caribbean Markets, a few when there was the Caribbean Markets, sadly it's closed. I was there a, f- a few years back and just shopping, went to a stall, uh, was paying, chit-chat, you know, just small pleasantries with the man and suddenly he just looked at me and he looked me in the eyes and he said, you're one of those, aren't you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're one of those who believe in Jesus, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. I said, are you? And he said, not really. I said, well, how do you know? And he said, I see it in your eyes. I see it in your eyes. Are we any different than the world? Do people look at us and see Jesus? When they look in the eyes of Melbourne Lights Church, at us collectively, do they say, you're one of them? You, that's a church that actually believes Jesus at his word. They're Jesus lovers, Jesus believers. Can we be that church? When Moses was up on the mountain with with God and he came back down, his face, remember this, his face shone like incredibly. He was transformed so that it was like lightning. Actually, when you unpack the word, it's like it's almost similar to the word where Jesus was transfigured, became not just white and bright, but like a a lightning flash. Like like when you look in the, oh, oh, the flash of a camera goes off and it's like, it's, it's that. His face shone like that that he had to put a veil over it because people couldn't look, like the flash of light was too strong. Moses wasn't trying to be that, he just was that. And what I'm getting at is it's the more we're with him, the more we will just be that. And people will see the shine on our lives. And wow, wow, watch what he does. Oh, I love that on the streets of Dandenong. When we go... Guess what? There's people who are starting to say now, like they'll say, what church are you from? And we'll just say Melbourne Lights Church. Look, that's not ever our first thing is not in the name of a church. We go in the name of Jesus, but some will ask and we'll say Melbourne Lights Church. We're in Hallam. They'll say, oh yeah. Now we've had this a few times. They say, I've heard of that church. You guys, someone actually said, you guys are famous. You guys are famous out here. You know how happy that made me feel? Not because of us, but because we're getting known as those who go out with radical love, loving on the community with the goods and the gospel, and we're seeing lives transformed and encountered by Jesus. And there's a shift that's happening in that community because we've chosen to go. It's not our name, but as he is in this world, so are we. So are we. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.